0: Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is Session 149. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will look at chapter 16 of Genesis and on. But before we get started, are you troubled, or maybe it's just me, by the fact that uh, we, we saw a session or so ago that Abraham went to Egypt lied about uh, the the nature of the relationship between him and his wife, Sarah, basically let Sarah be used so that he could save his own life. And yet he got a lot of stuff given to him. Um, And it doesn't say any more about that than that. So does that seem to you to be a little off? Does that trouble you at all? Well, it troubles me. But lest we think that Abram got away with his lie, uh, let's look at chapter 16 and see how uh, he may have brought some grief upon himself for his lying in Egypt. Okay, chapter 16, Abram's wife Sarai had borne him no children. Now, she's pretty old at this time, right? Uh, she's, uh, but anyway, uh, she had, however, an Egyptian maid servant. I want you to maybe underline Egyptian maid servant named Hagar. We'll come back to that in a minute, but right now I just want you to underline Egyptian maid servant named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, "The Lord has kept me from bearing children." Have intercourse then with my maid. Perhaps I shall have sons through her. You know, her thinking is she wants to perpetuate the family line. Now, remember, Abram had been told by God years before, hey, you are going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have so many offspring that uh, you you you, um, uh, you you won't be able to count them. It'll be like the stars, right? So she's she Sarah wants to help God out a little bit. It's like, okay, I know about this promise, but hey, I'm really old and this this is this kind of defies logic that someone of my age would be able to conceive a child. So, I'll just have uh, Abram impregnate this Egyptian maidservant. Well, uh, now we get to the part that I was troubled with. You know, why does Abram get away with all of this lying that he did in when he went to Egypt and lied about uh, Sarah not being his wife? Well, it says, you know, back a, few, a session or two that Abram was given a bunch of stuff by the king of, of Egypt, right? Including slaves. So this Hagar was given to Abram by the Pharaoh, right, the, the king of, uh, of Egypt at that time, and this is who he is going to bed. Now, you're going to think, well, that's still not much of a punishment because Sarai is quite old, um, and Sarai says to Abraham, you know, I want you to impregnate this lady, who's this, this girl who's probably, you know, what, 40, 50 years younger than I am. So Abram says, okay, well, I guess a man's got to do what what a man's got to do. I'm, I'm going to do it. So each of them tried to put God in a box, right? It was like, okay, God, I trust you that you said you're going to give me, you know, you're, you've you given me this promise of, of offspring, but, um, I don't think you're going to, you can do it uh, naturally because we're so old or at least Sarah is so old. So we'll try to help you out a little bit, God, because we don't think you can do it. Or maybe at least they didn't trust that he would do it that way. So they're going to help out. So, um, don't put God in a box, right? God can do anything he wants. You know, they're called miracles, and they happen every day. We don't always call them miracles. But uh, in my mind, it's a miracle that you you can wake up every day. Uh, just think of all the things that had to come in place for you to wake up today. I mean, you you didn't have to think about breathing last night, yet you made it through the night. So, every day is a miracle. So, Abram heeded Sarah's request in verse 3. So, look what's happening here. Sarah is saying, I want you to do this because then I will get to raise a son for you. So, can you see trouble coming right here? Uh, You know, it is said that too many cooks spoil the soup, right? Now, can you imagine uh, now two women that uh, Abraham Abram at this point is uh, from, is going to be going to be living with. all right? Uh, so too many cooks spoil the soup, and there's really only room for one uh, adult woman in a household. So those of you that have had to live with in-laws might relate uh, to those sayings. So we're going to see, How for 17 years, if you add them up, when we get done with the story of Abraham, for 17 years, Hagar's presence causes a lot of grief between Abram and Sarai. For 17 years, Abraham has to put up with Sarai's blaming him for Hagar. So, if you still think there were no consequences for Abram's little junket to Egypt and his lying, think again. Let, um, so, Sarah decides to help God out so that the covenant will be fulfilled. Now, in fairness to Sarai, God didn't say in his covenant that Sarai would be the biological mother of the son from the covenant promise and also in fairness to sarah the code of hammurabi which was a you know a pagan yet uh popular code at the time that all this was happening to be sure not a israelite code allowed for the use of servants female servants uh to serve as surrogate uh, uh, mothers if you will to continue a bloodline and as we see in verse three, it had been ten years since God first promised to make Abram a great nation. It uh, says, uh, "Yeah, Abraham, Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan. His wife Sarai took his maid, took her maid Hagar, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his concubine." Um. Now, what happens? Again, you can only have one adult woman in a house for things to go well, right? Verse 4, he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. When she became aware of her pregnancy, uh, this is when Hagar became aware of her pregnancy, she looked on her mistress with disdain. You know, you could just picture it's like, hey, I'm the one who's bringing the kid into the world. You're just an old lady, right? Right? And so Sarai recognizes this disdain in verse five. And who does she blame for it? Uh, You know, just like Adam and Eve and all that other things, you you can't just take blame on for things that you do yourself. You have to find somebody else to blame, right? That's sadly, that's human nature. So, verse 5, it's almost comical. So, Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for this outrage against me. I might even underline that, just and put, uh, must blame someone else. Because whose idea was it? It was Sarai's idea to bring this, to for Abram to sleep with her in the first place, to continue the, or, you know, to begin the, um, you know, the, the, uh, family line, right? So, I myself gave my maid to your embrace, but ever since she became aware of her pregnancy, she has been looking at me with disdain. May the Lord decide between you and me. So now that, you know, Abram's going to have to listen to this for 17 years, okay? We'll see that by the time we're done with the story of uh, Abram, okay? Okay. Um, So, um, anyway, Abraham told Sarai, your maid is in your power, because she worked for Sarai, do to her whatever you please. Sarai then abused her so much that Hagar ran away from her. So, these people are not perfect, right? Sarai abused her her employee, if you will. The employee wasn't good to Sarai. Abram Abram decided to father a child this other way. Um, And so, Hagar runs away. But it says in verse 7, The Lord's messenger found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the road to Shur, S-H-U-R, and he asked, Hagar, where are you coming from? Where are you going? She answered, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. And then the Lord promised her in verse 10, I will make your descendants so numerous that they will be too many to count. Um, besides, the Lord's messenger said to her, you are now pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard you. God has answered you. He shall be a wild ass of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him, in opposition to all his kin, well what kin will there be, shall he encamp? But at least he's gonna be, you know, he's he's going to be a uh, you know, a powerful man, all right? And uh, he will also have numerous descendants who incidentally will end up being the enemies of the people of Israel over time. And it says uh, after she gave him the birth in verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So that would have made Sarai 76 years old. She's 10 years younger, right? So now uh, you know, did Abram's got to listen to this griping between his wife and servant for 17 years. Okay. So did was that a little payback for his lying episode? I would submit yes. Uh, nobody likes to hear uh, a griping wife for, you know, at any time, much less for 17 years. Okay, now we get to chapter 17, where we are introduced to this covenant of circumcision. Now, circumcision was, in the Old Testament way, the way to say, hey, I am part of the family of God, right? Now, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, what is that? Uh, it is baptism, right? Circumcision kind of prefigures uh, baptism. Um, in circumcision, um, you probably know what that is, but in case you don't, it is the removal of the foreskin of the male organ. So, uh, it has been said by many that this shows that you are choosing not the way of flesh, Hence what's being cut off, but the way of the Lord. Okay. That, that's uh, one explanation for it, but it's a physical sign. You have to do something. So there are Christians who say, ah, baptism is a mere symbol. Okay. And yet we will see that God's pretty serious about this. It's like, I want you to do something to show that you are uh, you know, part of my family, something that sets you apart from others, okay? And it's not merely a symbol. Uh, baptism gives us graces, as we've spoke, spoke about many times in the in the New Testament. So at this time, we see a name change. Um, God says, No longer shall you be called Abram. Your name shall be Abram. Abraham that is in verse 4 of chapter 7 okay now there's only three times in the bible that god changes somebody's name and this is the first one abram's changed his name is changed to abraham which means the father of many nations okay not just the uh, people of of israel but um, also the, the father of, you know, the Muslim nations as well, right? Okay. Um, so the father of many nations. We'll see the second uh, change of names when we get to Jacob. And the last time is when we see Simon Peter's name changed to Peter. But spoiler alert, each time God changes somebody's name... It's a change in status. It is God saying, you are going to be the leader of my people, okay? Uh, Because with Jacob, his name was changed to Israel, okay? And he's going to be the leader of God's people of Israel, right? And with Simon Peter... In uh, Matthew chapter 16, God says, okay, you are now Peter, the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Okay. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but uh, Paul, Saul changed his name to Paul. Right. That was Saul changing his name. It was a marketing move, as we discussed in the New Testament. God only changes people's name three times. Four times, if you count Sarai and Abram as separate uh, incidents here. Okay, so a name change is a big deal, and it means a change in leadership. So, lest you doubt that Peter was intended to be the leader of the church, uh, just remember that little factoid that God only changes name three times of of anyone, and it always represents a a, a given God giving authority over God's people. Okay, so what does this mean? Now, bear in mind, Abram's an old guy, right? And uh, God talks about circumcision. And he says, uh, every male among you shall be circumcised. This is verse 10. Verse 11, circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Uh, And that shall be the mark of the covenant between you and me. So it's a physical thing, a mark, just like a baptismal oil um, and, and, uh, you know, the christening is a mark of a covenant between God and us in the new covenant. Throughout the ages, every male among you, when he is eight days old, an infant, uh, shall be circumcised. Including the houseborn slaves, etc. Um, and then in verse 15, as for your wife Sarai, who by the way is now 76 years old, do not call her Sarai. Uh, her, excuse me, yeah, right, she's 76. Her name shall be Sarah, which means princess. So anybody out there is Sarah, named Sarah, you're a princess. I will bless her and I will give you a son by her. So, God is saying, all right, no more of this putting me in a box. I'm going to just declare, um, since you might not have picked up on it the first time, she is going to be the mother. And, uh, you know, Abram's an old guy and she's an old lady. So, verse 17, Abram prostrated himself and laughed. And he said, can a child be born to a man who is 100 years old or can Sarah give birth at 90? You know, they're both pretty old. They're not not a hundred yet, or maybe they are, you know, it's, they're older than 86. We don't know the time that has lapsed. Uh, Well, actually we do because this happens when at the beginning of chapter 17, it says Abram was 99 years old. Okay. Now was he actually 99 years old or a hundred years old? That's not the point, is it? Um, but it could be, maybe the point is God can do anything he wants. So be open to miracles. Maybe that's what one of the things we are to, uh, to learn from this. And, and God talks again about the covenant and, um, uh, you know, I will maintain my covenant with him as an everlasting pact. And so, uh, Abraham, um, uh, And his son, Ishmael, in verse 26, were circumcised. So, even Ishmael, who is not part of that covenant, um, are, are actually circumcised. Well, now we're going to see in chapter 18, Abram has a visitor, and he treats them very kindly. I won't read you the whole story in the interest of time. But um, they, in turn, say, hey, next year, Sarai will have a son. And Sarai kind of laughs about this uh, in verse what, 13 or 14. But this little story of Abraham's visitors, it's, it's kind of a, you know, there's not a lot happening there. It's just that Abram is very kind to them. And uh, so at the beginning of chapter 18, I want you to write in your margins, Hebrews 13 verse 2. Uh, he's very kind to these these and uh, they these are you know we we will find if you read this they're actually angels okay But in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 which I want you to write in your margins next to chapter 18, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers for by doing so, some people have been entertaining angels without knowing it, okay? And uh, my thought on that is when you meet a stranger, you are meeting Christ in a sense of the word. There is, there is Christ in all of us, in the homeless, in people we don't get along with politically, etc., And so we are to be nice to everyone because they are an image of Christ. We are all brothers and sisters. And so how you treat other people is a measure of how you feel about God. Well, we're out of time. So let's close in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for the covenant that you make with Abram. Uh, and and for the covenant that you made with us through the promise that, uh, uh, that we have at baptism, that we are part of your family, and that you welcome us, and we thank you. Uh, help us to not put you in a box as Abraham and Sarah perhaps did at the beginning of uh, chapter 16, And trust that you will provide uh, the, the way and the grace for us to follow your plan. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.